0: Dive in on Gotta Watch the Tape from Cleveland.com, Doug Maurice and Ellis Williams. Scott Patsco a little under the weather on this Friday, but we are breaking down the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. We do it with numbers and film. We're gonna look at both sides of the ball. And as we record this just after noon on Friday, we are aware that the Browns had a positive COVID test within the team. Uh, At the moment, everything's still on for Sunday's game between the Browns and Texans. And so we need to figure out what these two and six Houston Texans are all about. And Ellis Williams is going to do that. We're going to start with the offensive side of the ball for Houston, where Deshaun Watson, pretty good, pretty famous. But what else do they have and not have Ellis Williams start there. dive in on got to watch the tape?
1: Yeah, Doug, we said it. this offense uh, really starts and stops with Deshaun Watson. Uh, just a quick overview of how the offense is doing as a whole. Uh, they're ranked 14th in DVOA, uh, a stat I trust that just does a great job measuring um, overall effectiveness of either units and and down in distance and situation football and actually spot in the schedule and all that. But um, break that down another time. Their DVOA being 14th is really all Deshaun Watson in this passing game because, their run DVOA is 32nd. That's worse than the league. This team um, cannot run the ball. They're not interested in running the football. I'll get into more of that later. Um, while their pass, passing offense ranks 10th. Um, their personnel on the field. I think that's important when trying to figure out what, how an offense wants to attack you. Who's on the field? Where are they? Why are they there? Uh, they run 11 personnel, uh, 65% of the time. So that's one tight end one running back. They're your um you know your your classic spread type of offense, uh put the ball in Deshaun's hands, let him make decisions. Uh you're probably going to hear me refer to this game a lot, but this is going to be a lot like a Joe Burrow offense, a, a Bengals type of attack that isn't they're not just they're really just not interested in running the football. They're going to let the ball get into Deshaun's hands and he's going to distribute it accordingly. Um I I wouldn't be surprised if Deshaun throws 35 40 times we're probably going to talk about the weather because if this game there's just so much up in the air right Doug like if this game even gets played on Sunday then the weather's a factor if it gets moved then perhaps the weather's not an issue but point being let's just run through these uh these positions quick and then um I, I want to ask you just uh, your your initial thoughts on this Texans team because the Browns do have history with this team uh, I know they've played uh, the, the Texans now a few times um that preseason game comes to mind recently Sean is uh Deshaun's 2-0 and against the Browns there you go. Yep. Um, all right. So this offensive line, again, been struggling. Uh, 32nd ranked uh, rushing attack. In pass pro, they're not much better. This is more about Deshaun Watson being an escape artist. Uh, he keeps plays alive. Uh, that could be uh, two things. Just on paper, this is an advantage for the Browns' defensive line. Um, pro football focus has the Texans' right guard. Uh, Sony Kalame, 58 overall. They have their left guard, Zach Fulton, 56 overall for season long grade. And their right tackle, Titus Howard, 58.9 overall. So that's three spots along the defensive line, or excuse me, offensive line where the Texans just are not getting the job done. They have they are getting exposed. And we've already seen how Joe Woods in this defense is comfortable putting Miles Garrett wherever they need to. Of course, they have left tackle Laramie Tunsil, who signed for a max deal and and he's grading well in the nineties. He's one of the best tackles in football, but the Browns are show they're, they're fine with keeping miles Garrett moving around and Olivia Vernon uh, is coming off of a good Raiders game. And Mary Kay Cabot's been all over the fact that he's looking healthy now. Uh, perhaps this could just be a wrecking game for uh, O and Garrett, maybe Sheldon Richmond gets back in the action. And this could just be blown up up front. Uh, the running back, David Johnson's hurt. So this is going to be a Duke Johnson game. Browns fans really familiar with Duke Johnson, but again, this team's not interested in running. They're all shotgun. They're a pistol team and they they can't move people up front tight ends. Not a lot to worry about Darren Fells did have four catches for 85 yards versus uh, the Titans, which I think is a good reference point. And I'll, I'll, I'll explain that more um, as we go on. Uh, but they've been rotating three guys, actually. Jordan Akins is one of them. And then Pharaoh Brown for anyone uh, familiar with uh, Freddie Kitchens and his, uh, Connection with Farrell Brown there. Uh, he's now in Houston and he's he's had a big catch uh, last week and he's going to get some opportunities. I've been rotating those three guys and really the group to to keep an eye on here uh, to put a bow on this position breakdown is the receivers. This is the Will Fuller and Brandon Cook show. Uh, two absolute burners. Fuller leads the team in yards with 538 um, and six touchdowns. Cooks actually leads the team in receptions, 37 to Fuller's 36. Uh, and they scheme these guys open really effectively, especially Will Fuller. So, uh, Doug, when I go through that rundown, uh, I'm guessing those receivers jump out to you. But just um, when you envision this Texans offense, where how do you think uh, what what scares you? What, what what scares you about this attack?
0: It scares me on their behalf of what they have done here because it is so interesting to me. Joe Thomas played his played a decade in Cleveland as a great Hall of Fame left tackle with no quarterback. And it was like, man, what would you do if you ever got a quarterback? I'm not saying Laramie Tunsil's Joe Thomas, but Laramie Tunsil at left tackle is one of the best left tackles in the league. He grades very highly. He's paid a lot of money. They traded two first-round picks and a second-round pick before the 2019 season to get him. So, you – right? I mean, there's the kind of the – I think most people would say – quarterback is obviously the most important position on an offense they have a great one they have a great one there certainly was a time I don't know if people would say it anymore but that left tackle was maybe the second most important position on offense they've got that locked down so they have the two most they invested in it they went out and got dudes and those guys are playing well and they're still bad And it's remarkable because it's like those two and then so much of everything else, as you said, they just don't run the ball at all. And I know a lot of people found it very interesting. Maybe it was last week or two weeks ago, maybe last week, the bills came out with Josh Allen and had a game plan where they, they like threw it 30 times and only ran it three times. And it was like the far end of, Hey, you don't need balance. If you can throw, throw. And I don't know the breakdown of, of how the Texans have played calls called plays, but man, it feels like maybe they should just, why even try, why even fake it? Have your run game be, if there's nothing there, when Deshaun drops back, let him scramble. But these offensive linemen, other than Tunsell can't run block the, the running backs can't run. And it's just so it, it's so would be so painful to me. I can imagine as a Brown, as a Texans fan, Or somebody in the Texas organization, you feel like, hey, we're going to lock down these important positions, and it's like, man, even if you have the most important two locked down, you can't be this bad at the other five, six, seven positions on the offense where they just don't have anybody.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. And I pulled it up quickly there. Uh, They're thirtieth in rushing attempts uh, per game, so that that tells you exactly. You know, assuming that balances out accordingly. They're, they're probably closer to a, you know, 60, 40, if not more uh, passing team. And you're so right about that, Doug, where the the quarterback is taken care of, the left tackle is taken care of, and and they're still not getting the job done. I think that has a a lot more to do with the defense, which of course we're going to get into on the other half here. Uh, This defense can't stop anyone, Uh, but you're right. This is a, a, a situation where they do not run the ball and it is putting too much stress on, on the Watson. Their offense is predictable at times. Um, it's one thing I noticed in their their third down situations. And I think that's a product of um, how well you run the football. I think because third down tells you a lot of things. Third down tells you what you're doing on first and second down. So if you're, if your average distance to go is, you know, third, third and eight, third and nine or worse. If you're getting negative plays on first and second down, um, you're putting a lot of pressure on your quarterback. And if you're not able to convert third and shorts, you're not able to run the ball and, and, and have, a, have a presence there that allows you to move the chains easily. Again, putting pressure on your quarterback, the Texans offense ranks 23rd in uh, third down conversions, just 40%. So this is a team that just when you try, no matter how good your quarterback is, You need to have a balanced attack or at least a threat to run the football uh, in order to have a, a consistent offense or you just become dependent on big plays, which is something I want to talk about with this Texans offense, because that really is their M.O. When they're at their best, they are striking and they're striking quick. Um, versus the Titans again, the, the game I referred to, for, and because the reason I'm doing that is this Titans offense uh, looks a lot like the Browns, so I went back and I watched that game because the Titans want to do a lot of zone runs, uh, stuff on their center, um, some manipulating with the football in their play action game, and that was a good mold for okay, what worked for Tennessee and how can how did Tennessee attack the Houston defense? Thus, how will Kevin Svansky and the Browns try to do that? So they, Will Fuller had a 53 yard score. Uh, versus Tennessee, and then just last week, uh, Fuller uh, with another 50 yard score, and Brandon Cooks with a 70 yarder. Uh, so, this, these guys, those three names are the ones you got to watch out for Deshaun Watson, Will Fuller, and Brandon Cooks. And one thing I noticed on tape, Doug, and I'm curious your thoughts on this little, uh, would you rather, either or game for you? Um, they're really effective at scheming Will Fuller open on unders and shallows, and, and both Cooks and Fuller can run those routes. Essentially, the route is, um, have our guy run a short route underneath, start on one side of the field. He's going to end on the other side of the field, perhaps only three, four, five yards depth of the route. But they've crossed so much ground and now they're in space that that yard's at for the catch gives them the nine, 10, 11, 12 yard gains. Actually, Brandon Cooks last week took a three yard, four yard out route and took it 73 yards to the house versus the Jaguars. Uh, that shows that type of breakaway speed. So, Doug, I want to ask you this. Um, the, the Titans decided to do zo- have this be a zone game for them, and what I saw was a lot of their linebackers chasing in space. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I could, Yep, yeah, see, I saw that. I, I know where this is going. Um, so you really have two choices with this. You can either run man and have your cornerbacks chase these speedy guys across the field laterally, or you have your linebackers drop into zone and try to ask your backers to tackle down in space. Doug, if you're Joe Woods, which one are you picking in that situation?
0: So could it possibly be, could this possibly be an absolute ideal game for Denzel Ward to be Denzel Ward? Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. Will Fuller's six foot tall. Brandon Cooks is 5'10". They're not gigantic receivers. They're both speed guys, as you said. This, to me, feels like, not that I would necessarily, you know, again, I think reporters like me like to talk about, Oh, I just have Denzel Ward, follow somebody around the field. And often that's not the case. You play boundary and field or you play different, whatever. But honestly, Will Fuller to me is exactly the type of receiver that Denzel Ward should eliminate. He's all speed. He is like kind of a big play guy, right? Like here and there he'll hit a big play, but it's not like dealing with, I don't know. I mean, he's not Julio Jones or DK Metcalf or, or, AJ, you know, those kind of chase Claypool, right? Some of the things where I get obsessed with, Oh, Denzel's not that tall. This to me, I would be very comfortable in a man look where Denzel is the guy hanging with these guys on these routes across the field. And Denzel's speed is the answer. And then I have to ask T Mitch to do the same thing with the other guy. And I get that, but I, I just think this uh, in two ways, as much as we've talked about with his Browns defense, we're, we're talking about, okay, so we're talking about a Houston offense that's built around two guys, Deshaun Watson and Laramie Tunsil. It's a Browns defense built around two guys, Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. But I think the Browns should have the edge here because I think Ward, his skills match up with the Houston receivers. And then not to get off topic on this, but we've talked a lot about this this on this podcast, and you kind of mentioned earlier, Miles being on different sides of the ball. I wouldn't line Miles Garrett up on Laramie Tunsil for a single snap. In this game, you already outlined it. The right side of their line has a lot of problems. So I just feel like the Browns two strengths might be able to wipe out Houston's two strengths. And this could be a game where the Browns defense actually looks okay, but I'd be okay with a a decent chunk of man and Denzel chasing these guys.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's our, where I land on this too, Doug, because I also noticed as Tennessee is a, a, a zone a disguised type of team, Browns fans can remember the, the season opener last year um, where that, that zone disguising a showman bail into cover four type stuff was really giving Baker troubles in the opener a year ago. And they're still doing, they changed coordinators and won't really Vrabel's handling it all now, um, but they, they still do a lot of that same stuff. And, Doug, all I saw was Deshaun Watson just carving up a zone defense, going through his progressions. It's been, it, I remember Deshaun Watson when he first got uh, when he debuted and it was just all eyes on DeAndre Hopkins. It's the only place he wanted to go with the football. And now he is so comfortable being in the pocket and going to his second and even third look. And when the Titans weren't playing physical man defense, he just, he just moved the ball around it. Whether it was, that's why your tight end ends up with five catches, um, and that's what I worry about if the Browns decide to go with more zone, which is why I'm with you here. I'm anticipating man, because I do think that plays to a, a strength of Denzel Ward. And you're exactly right. If this is a game where, you know, weather may have something to do with it too, but if, if, if Will Fuller has two catches in this game and Denzel's chasing all over the field, um, it, it matches up well because you're exactly right about Will Fuller. And one thing I noticed with this team is I have it in my notes here. They really have like four, Wide receiver twos and threes. You know, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb is their number three guy. And then they got Kenny Stills as their fourth receiver. Those are all burners, but they're all like twos and threes. There's no ones, but there's no scrubs either. Um, and, and so it's going to be a, a demanding task for the entire coverage unit as a whole for the Browns. Um, but one thing I do worry about in man coverage here is another thing I noticed on tape with Deshaun Watson he knows just when to run. You know, he had four carries for 30 yards versus the, the Titans, nothing special, but they came at such critical times. For example, at one time, the Titans again, tried to get fancy, cute. And a lot of people would say smart and trying to confuse the, the quarterback here. And they dropped a D lineman into coverage uh, on the snap. Deshaun noticed it right away and just rushed where the D lineman dropped from. He, they just he just replaced him right up uh, the, the three gap and, and took off for a, a good eight yard gain there. Um, and, and then another one, they overloaded blitz on the left side and Deshaun just took off to, to his left. Cause it was his right that they overloaded. So I do worry playing too much man versus a guy like Deshaun will just give him running opportunities, but that's kind of the, the poison you got to play with. Right. I mean, if you, you can't be crippled by Deshaun running around all the time, but this Browns defense has had trouble Uh, with, with some more mobile quarterbacks and just losing track of guys at at times. I'm worried about that.
0: And I, but I'd rather, I think have maybe the Browns linebackers doing that kind of thing rather than floating in zone coverage that again, if they don't, if they're not that scared of the run game, And you have Taki Taki or Jacob Phillips or Malcolm Smith. I don't want BJ Goodson chasing Deshaun Watson very much. That's not a good speed matchup for the Browns. But if you have a couple of these linebackers that can tackle, say, listen, you know, again, not that it's a spy or whatever, but that that's the most important thing to be afraid of on the ground. Excuse me. From the Texans is not the running back. It's when Deshaun does improvise when he improvises. So. they have to account for that first. So uh, I, I just think that idea, you know, let Denzel chase dudes, let the linebackers make sure that Deshaun doesn't go nuts on scrambles. And then you live with everything else. I just, I just feel like this, you, you talked a lot about, and I think smartly, and it's helped me understand things about offenses that have a real clear idea of a game plan. And you talked about it with Gruden and the Raiders. Listen, this was a Bill O'Brien offense. Bill O'Brien got fired. Romeo Cornell's just trying to get the ship to the dock here. Yeah. Tim Kelly is the play caller. He's pretty new there, but this is not a team. I mean, the Browns are, are thick into their offensive identity now. The Texans are just trying to get from play to play. Completely. I, so I just think there are, there are multiple things here. And, and not to put too much pressure on this, because I am putting a lot of pressure on this game for the Browns. This is a must-win, must-look-good, must-do-your-thing yeah. kind of game. But to me, they Houston has a couple pieces, but if the Browns' defense can't handle this, then it's like, okay. Because there's no plan, there's no balance. And it's – Deshaun's awesome, but like it's just Deshaun. So don't stop him, but hem him in a little bit. And I'm not looking for a shutout, but I just feel like they this is the exact kind of team where that maybe the Browns' defense should look as good as it has all year. And again, with Joe Woods coming off a bye week to get everything in order.
1: Yeah, and we're going to set a record for how many times we say a single player's name on this podcast today because you're right; it's Deshaun Watson. And it I noticed it also in their red zone offense. Uh, they went four for four versus the Titans. Uh, they're they're a middle of the pack red zone team, and uh, that's largely because. All Deshaun Watson and an inability to run the football. They'd be a great red zone team if they could just, you know, finish from third th- three yards out and in. But they, they they have no ability to do so. They can't move guys up front. So what I notice is Deshaun Watson extending plays and making quick decisions. If he's if you're in zone, he's going to get the ball out quick. And he was able to, you know, hit his tight end in the flats for a quick score. He It is one of his second touchdowns uh, versus the Titans. Broken play, he escapes right, Randall Cobb breaks back out and has a sideline pylon catch. So that's what this is really going to come down to, is how, what answers can Deshaun Watson come up with out of nowhere? Because, Doug, you're so right about that. They aren't going to come into Cleveland with an identity. They, They have no clue what they really want to be. It's just, Deshaun, what plays can you make for us? How can you save us? And for me, that's gearing up for a Miles Garrett type of game. You know, with, and and Kevin Spansy talked about it uh, in on the Zoom call I believe yesterday about how the, his scout guys are um, just extending the play even in practice. If there's a sack, they just keep going, and because that's Deshaun Watson for you. But that where that becomes advantageous for the Browns is when you have Miles Garrett screaming off the edge, or perhaps coming right up the uh, the three gap because they have a, a suspect right guard. And they flopped Miles Garrett there. And now you're creating problems, potential fumbles. And one thing more with Deshaun Watson here when you're running man coverage, you need to give your receivers time to break free and get open. There's not gonna be anywhere to go with the football if Olivier Vernon is now healthy, if Miles Garrett is running around like crazy. This could I think you're right, Doug. This could get sloppy and this could get ugly for the Texans early if this is a game where this Browns defense plays to their strengths and that's disrupting up front and getting after Watson.
0: And I know we all love to pit quarterbacks against each other, and it's fun to do that. But really, Deshaun and Miles are yeah. I mean, they're classmates, right? That was when the Browns uh, had that draft and they had the first pick and the 12th pick, they could have gone with the Miles Deshaun double dip. That would have been a franchise changing double dip if they would have done it. And it was there and they didn't do it. And we're not going to get bogged down in that. But there was a time, you know, again, I was covering Ohio State and I was at the Fiesta Bowl in 2016 when Clemson's getting ready to play Ohio State and I wrote a lot about Deshaun and about whether the Browns should draft him. And there was a, that was certainly a discussion. It didn't It was more of like a media discussion, I think, of like, should Deshaun be the number one pick when they're talking about, hey, Miles or Deshaun. But these are classmates. I think they're they're like each other in a lot of ways. I mean, if you want to say that Deshaun Watson is the Miles Garrett of quarterbacks and Miles Garrett is the Deshaun Watson of defensive ends, this is a great matchup. And they're actually going against each other. So the idea of, is Miles going to get a strip sack on Deshaun? And Deshaun is a guy who I love, but he holds the ball because he wants to make a play and it's we talk about this all the time with Ohio State and Justin Fields. I want a quarterback who's willing to take some sacks because he wants big plays on the other end. But Miles Garrett is the exact kind of guy. Miles Garrett doesn't want if he the worst case scenario for Miles Garrett is almost to play an overmatched quarterback that they know we're just going to do three step drops and get the ball out because we don't even want to give Miles Garrett a chance. The only hope for the Texans is to give Miles Garrett a chance. You can't just say, hey, Deshaun, get rid of the ball in a second and a half. That's not going to do any good. So this is a tremendous matchup. There are going to be moments where Miles gets to him. Does Deshaun get away? Does Miles get a sack? Does, he, does Deshaun escape and run? Does Deshaun escape and throw? I mean, I'm, I'm, this is something, again, this will be going on for another decade of miles Garrett and Deshaun Watson against each other. But I just feel like in this moment, really, honestly, until Deshaun gets a little more help in the next couple of years, including a head coach with a plan, this should be edge to miles. I think
1: I completely agree. And it is strength versus strength, but it is edge miles Garrett, assuming they don't line him up against Larry Tunsil, which I do not expect perhaps the regime last year would have done something like that. But this team has proven they're they're willing to put miles wherever they need to to best take advantage of those mismatches and you're exactly right about the way the texans need to manufacture offenses through freelance and big plays and that plays to miles garrett's uh, strength there and coming off the edge doug it's funny um i got my haircut today and me and my barber enjoy talking browns Uh, i'm not from around these parts so browns fans forgive me if this is recycled stuff but you mentioned that 17 draft so we're talking about it and he goes Man, like I love the Garrett pick. And then I was hoping like everyone, I'm sure now, especially in hindsight, that they'd come back with Deshaun Watson and they didn't. And then they ended up picking Deshaun Kaiser in the second round. And I just looked at him and go, man, y'all took the wrong Deshaun. And he just looked at me for a moment and just said, "Yup." And is, is that simple? I mean, is that, is that a real, is that a a, a sore point among, among Browns fans? Or is it, because um, Mary Kay talked about it on the pod yesterday with the, the Texans beat writer, like, you know, Deshaun doesn't come in here with a chip on his shoulder and no bad blood or anything like that. Um, was it one of those, is it one of those? Cause you said it would be an all time moment. I mean, you would have changed yeah. your franchise, right? Picking those two players.
0: No, I mean, it was right there. It was, you know, the Browns got Deshaun with the capital S in the middle of his name, lowercase S Deshaun. Listen, and Mary Kay wrote about at the time, Mary Kay had Dabo Sweeney at the senior bowl saying that Deshaun Watson is Michael Jordan. And it was sort of like, you know, I I will say it's very interesting. and, And this is probably worth a separate podcast at some point. I do think if the NFL had evolved two or three seasons more quickly than it actually did, the Browns maybe would have made different quarterback decisions at the top of those drafts. Because as great as Deshaun Watson was, and I was all in on Deshaun Watson. I thought he was it as a leader. I thought, yeah, he throws some picks, but he gives his guys chances to make big plays. He can throw it. He can run it. He's going to be great. There was enough lingering stuff back then about, oh, he's kind of a college quarterback. Is he enough of a pocket guy? And even a little bit, it was still seeping in a little bit with Lamar Jackson in 2018. And then by like 2019 with Kyler Murray... Everybody was kind of over that. Yep. And if they just weren't over it, when the Browns had those decisions at the top of the draft with quarterbacks in 17 and 18, it was still there. And so when they traded down and didn't take Deshaun at 12, yeah, Deshaun was a great college quarterback. It wasn't like NFL draft analysts were united in like, oh right, my gosh, right. you just t- passed on Michael Jordan. Yep. You know, I, as a college writer primarily, really liked him. But it's just we've all realized by now, listen, man, I mean, everybody's in shotgun all the time. Now you want a guy who can run. You don't want a guy who's just in the pocket. But Deshaun can do it all. Deshaun can do it all. And I loved who Deshaun was. And I thought whoever the Browns got as a quarterback when they got their franchise quarterback it has got to be a guy with a little juice. And Baker and Deshaun have juice in very different ways. Yeah. But they both have it, no doubt. Deshaun has something he really has something special. And so it's not to, you know, you're not rubbing it in for Browns fans, but I'm, I'm glad for him because he did prove people. It's like this guy was as good of a college quarterback as you would want. And that there were any doubts on him. I mean, honestly, in the end, people should have been as sure on Deshaun Watson as they were on Joe Burrow. Honestly, nobody doubted Joe Burrow. That's how they should have thought about Deshaun Watson. That guy was a leader, a thrower, a runner and a winner. I'm not saying they should have taken Deshaun number one instead of Miles, but, you know, I wrote a lot about Mitch Trubisky back then, too. I was just
1: going to say it. You beat me to it. Browns fans, at least you're not the Bears. At least you're not the Bears.
0: I drove. Ohio State was playing Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl in Phoenix. I drove to El Paso through the night. It's the only time I've been in New Mexico. I drove across the bottom of New Mexico to El Paso, Texas, to cover the Sun Bowl to watch Sashi Brown watch Mitch Trubisky. Because North Carolina was playing Stanford in that game. And it was like, the Browns might do this. Yeah. So in the end, it's like, listen, Patrick Mahomes, if you didn't quite get Patrick Mahomes because he played at a smaller school and it was hard to get a read, is that just big 12 offense stuff? I get sort of quote missing on Patrick Mahomes. It was kind of all there with Deshaun. And unfortunately, in 2017, the NFL was still a little bit blind to it.
1: Yeah, no, it, life's about timing. That's what it comes down to. And now with the gift of hindsight, where you realize there's really only two ways to neutralize a guy like Deshaun Watson. It's, it's a pass rush. It's Miles Garrett, who we've been talking about at Nauseam. Uh, being able to track down an athlete like that, someone who plays his type of game, who wants to create more time. That's a recipe for disaster when you're facing Miles Garrett. And the second way, Doug, is weather. And again, talking to my barber today, he was like, man, I've got friends who are trying to go to this game and it sounds like it's going to be bad. I'm like, not as bad as the Raiders game. Right. And he goes, it might be worse. And this, this is my break incredibly well for the Browns. I mean, you're talking about a team that is 32nd and as running the football, a team just not interested in running the football in attempts. Um, Doug, I mean, this could get ugly if, if, if there's Raider type weather from two Sundays ago and the Texans just uh, can't move the football down the field. This, this could get bad.
0: And I I was reading Tim Kelly, the Texans offensive coordinator, is is talking about that. Yeah. Twenty-five to thirty mile power wins. He's aware of it. You know, they're gonna be ready for it. But as we've covered here, they can't change their roster. They can't change their entire game plan and way of doing business. And and what they do is not gonna fit wind and rain. So this this might be a day where, as you said, Miles Garrett helps neutralize Deshaun Watson and so does so does the Lake. So, all right, we will take a quick break, and we will be back on the other side with more Ellis Williams. But now we're going to talk about this matchup of the Texans' defense. And if you thought the Texans had trouble with on, on offense, it's the same thing on defense, except they don't have a Deshaun Watson or a Laramie Tunsel. Now they have J.J. Watt. He's famous and good. But we're going to break that down, that matchup on the other side. You're listening to Gotta Watch the Tape from Cleveland.com. All right. Back on got to watch the tape. It's all Ellis Williams on this podcast. We just dug in heavy on the Houston offense versus the Browns defense, but man, the the Texans, as you said, their real issue is they do not stop anybody and we have to account for weather, but you know, we're not meteorologists, so we don't just want to talk about, well, if it's windy or whatever, but I mean, that's going to be a factor, but I, I don't know. It doesn't matter as much for this Browns offense, right? Because I, what's what does houston do well is there something they do slightly better than the others stop the run or stop the
1: pass Ooh, doug this defense does absolutely nothing well and i'm not i don't usually talk like that i'm not um i don't want to say i'm not hard on these on these pro clubs but these are professionals at the end of the day they they are they dedicate their lives to this and i can confidently say that this defense does does nothing well right now um i Listeners, I don't know if you've seen this, Doug. I don't know if you have, but if you want um, an example of what the Texans defense is and represents, I suggest you try to find a, a video of the overtime coin flip of the Titans-Texans game from two weeks ago. Uh, Derek Henry and Deshaun Watson went to the center field for a coin flip in overtime. Of course, whoever wins the coin flip gets the ball first. This was like a 42-36 final. Uh, the Titans had like 602 yards of total offense on this Texans defense and Deshaun had been playing like Deshaun all game. Um, I don't know who calls what, but they put the coin flips, Tennessee wins the toss and you just see Deshaun in a way that franchise quarterbacks don't show. They don't, aren't that candid. They don't get that raw and he just sulked and threw his head back and pouted like a kid who knew the game was over. That is tough, as the captain of your team, knowing your defense goes out there first, and you basically are admitting defeat. Doug, did you did you see that video at all? And just for someone who's covered sports as long as you have, have you ever seen something like that? I mean, he just knew it was over at the flip.
0: Yeah, no, I like when players are honest about right, things. and it's like you're not calling your guys out, but it's like, listen, man. I mean, you know, sometimes you can't fake it. Sometimes you can't fake it anymore, and that does that's not great for a team. Deshaun, I think, is one of the best leaders around, but it's just right. hard. That's a hard way to live, man. That. You know your guys are trying, and it's not even about the guys. It's about the, the front office and the roster construction. And they're like these are the eleven guys that you decided to put out there. This is the best you could come up with. That's a hard way to
1: live. Yeah, that's exactly it. So speaking of the eleven guys, let's get to the personnel. Um, again, front to back, first an overview though. Um, their defense DVOA overall is twenty seventh. Um, they're they're a little better against the pass. They've actually got um some decent safety play and one good cornerback. So that puts them at 23rd against the pass, but they're 28th against the run. Um, they're a 3-4 base defense that love one high safety looks. So this is a great game for Nick Chubb to be making a return. Again, Derrick Henry, just Browns fans, if you got game pass, just watch a little bit of what Derrick Henry did to this team uh, two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago actually. But 202 total yards. Uh, again, Titans put up 600 total yards of offense on this defense. Uh, And it's their D line. You named JJ Watt, but you said, you know, he's famous and it's a name and that's kind of where he's getting at in his career. Uh, I believe the Houston Chronicle a couple weeks ago had a good story on how basically Watts out of here, uh, out of Houston at the end of the year. Um, He's still grading out fine a 79 overall, according to PFF, but watching the tape, he's just not as explosive and not as much of a difference maker as he once was. Uh, I think he'd be better in, in moments, but they just don't have the depth to roll him in and out now. So he's playing uh, starting snaps Uh, that he just shouldn't be doing at this point in his career you know know, uh
0: if if he's looking for a role as a situational pass rusher in 2021 i have a up-and-coming winning team uh that might be of interest to him
1: not to get off topic but the browns are going to be a fun team to talk about in the offseason because they're just gonna have money to play with and use and we don't really know where it's going to go um so that that, that's a good teaser for uh this spring right (laughs) come and get Get in the
0: division with your brother, play your brother twice a year, TJ in Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm here for that.
1: Oh, well, we're here for those storylines. So, yeah, it really, it, there's one other guy to watch. Their best interior guy is uh, PJ Hall, a 6'5", 300-pounder, who's great now at about like 65. But to tell you what the league thinks about him, Las Vegas actually cut him after training camp this year, and he landed with the Texans, and now he's you know one of their better guys up there. So um, with that sample size, you don't know if it's legit or if it's more just situational stuff. Um, really, the one guy that has been so disappointing for them is uh, Whitney Merciless, who uh, was supposed to be the Jadavian Clowney replacement, and he's battled some injury stuff, uh, but he just has been a, 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 all over the place this year. 49 overall, um, not a guy at their outside linebacker spot that's making a difference on the edge. He's not getting after the quarterback. He's been lost in pass coverage. Um, so then after that, their only other linebacker um, <laughs> who leads the team in tackles with 53. Uh, is Zach Cunningham but his grade on PFF right now is 43 overall Um, so Doug just on some simple math here that's their front seven Um, outside of that 79 overall J.J. Watt rating um, I'm throwing out a lot of 49s and and 50s here and that really describes the run defense I mean this is going to be talk about picking a great game for Nick Chubb and Wyatt Teller to come back yeah,
0: it's one of those things, again, I mean, it, it's great to have context on some of this stuff because I we just talked about with the Browns defense, hey, it's Myles Garrett and Denzel Ward and nobody else. But listen, I'm sure the Texans would like kill for Sheldon Richardson right cool. now. They'd probably kill for, like, if Olivier Vernon's getting it back together, the Browns at least have some guys who who give you a little hope that, oh, maybe they can play a little better. Maybe they've played well in the recent past. That th- this That Texans front seven feels like, JJ Watt and a bunch of BJ Goodson's not, nah, I'm not, I don't mean to pile on BJ Goodson. I'm just saying guys like who are, what they are. Like, it's not even like, like you said. okay. So Whitney Merciless is playing below what you would hope, but there's a lot of other stuff there that's just like, okay, well, I don't know. What'd you expect? You know, like you said, a guy's getting cut by another yeah. team before camp and is now in a vital part of your defense. You can't, your expectations can't be too high with that.
1: Yeah. And this is really the, the collective effort of a failed Bill O'Brien GM role for the past whatever it's been 5 years or when he gave himself that title and and you tease that in the about in the offensive unit um but Deshaun covers up for so many of O'Brien's front office mistakes that it's not um it crippling to their offense the, this has just been a a smorgasbord of patchwork on the defensive job and that is how you find guys like PJ Hall now making a name for themselves when they didn't have a plan, Doug. This, this team did not have a plan, and they're, they're, they're paying for it now.
0: Can we just do, give a heads up ahead of time? Uh, two or three years from now, Kevin Stefanski, if you're doing a really good job as head coach and you're starting to feel yourself a little bit and you want to be the GM, the answer is no. It is a preemptive no. The, the possibly competent coaches who have ruined their careers in power grabs because everybody wants to be Bill Belichick is mind-boggling to me. Chip Kelly torpedoed himself. Yeah. We still don't actually know. I think Chip Kelly might've been in the end, a decent NFL head coach and he torpedoed himself by being a horrible GM. And then Bill Brian deci- O'Brien decided to do the exact same thing. So it's like, listen guys, stay in your lane. And it, it, it is, I mean, this is a team that's been a playoff team. They've been a playoff team and look where they are now. And it's because Bill O'Brien drove this roster into the ground.
1: Yeah, they won the division like for the last five years, something like that. And, and, and exactly, you're you're playing with borrowed time when you're just taking Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and letting them clean up their mess for you. And I'm glad you said that, Doug, about wanting to become GM and uh, getting the keys to the kingdom and, and and sitting in your your castle in Berea possibly for Kevin Stefanski. Uh Don't do it. And and Kevin spending 16 years in Minnesota can probably attest to this. Uh, it happens in the NBA all the time. You decide to give a basketball coach head coaching responsibilities and basketball operations. Uh, job and Tom Thibodeau g- g- ruined his team. He-, he he ruined the Wolves for it. And it is just because they're two completely separate jobs. You cannot game plan, coach, motivate, and teach, and be a recruiter <laughs> and be on the road and know where talent's coming from. Um, and you see, you do see it less in the NFL, not especially now. I think the, the league's doing a good job uh, grooming a lot of these these up and coming GMs. You know the Andrew Berries of the world uh, to protect these coaches from themselves. Um, but oh, that's, that's what you end up with. So they do have one more name though, uh, worth mentioning in their, in their back end, And this is why they probably their, uh, their past defenses, um, a little stronger than their run defense. Uh, Bradley Roby is a cornerback grading out in the seventies right now. Um, he is still giving up 68% of the catches, uh, but he's only allowed 181 yards so far. And that is because the guy on the other side, Vernon Hargraves is a complete mess. 33 overall, according to PFF. He's played over 400 snaps. He's allowed uh, 456 passing yards. So Browns fans, simply put, he's essentially the Anderson Deho of the Houston Texans. This guy is getting letting guys run free. And I suspect that the Browns are going to have an opportunity against this guy because the, the Texans, what they like doing is playing man coverage, cover three or man, but in got to have it situations. They like being physical and getting up in your face and Vernon Hargraves can't do it. Uh, Doug, I could see a a nice game for Rashard Higgins here. I think that Roby is going to follow Jarvis Landry around at times when Jarvis is outside. Um, You don't really, we don't really know about Cordero Hodge on the outside yet, but rather than have him run deep, I think they keep Roby on Hodge in those situations. And then you're looking at a Rashard Higgins Hargraves matchup and Give me Hollywood all day there. We could see if the if the game needs to be moved through the air at times. This probably bodes well for Richard Higgins.
0: And of course our listeners know that's Bradley Roby, the former Buckeye who started this run of NFL cornerbacks at Ohio state. And this, this version of it, I mean, I know Sean Springs and plenty of guys in the past, but Roby's great. I love Roby and he got drafted by Denver. He played in Denver for four years. This is his okay. second year after signing as a free agent with the Texans. And he has an attitude, man. I, I, I think Roby he's Roby is not Marshawn Lattimore. Roby might be a little less skilled than Denzel. Although I think they're kind of similar. Roby I've always thought was really physical. He really has an attitude. He was a late first round pick, but I just really liked the way he played. I always thought like I would want that guy on my team. And so I think as you do build a roster, he was sort of a mid-price free agent. I think he's 3 years 36 million for the Texans after he was like he wasn't an all-pro in Denver. Like he was solid for 4 years. He wasn't a superstar, but he's like a really good solid football player. So I do think it's his again, it's no news. There's lots of Ohio State cornerbacks in the league. But I'll be curious of Denzel Ward, clearly the Browns' number 1 cornerback. Bradley Roby, clearly the Texans' number 1 quarter, cornerback. What do they do? Are you know who's following a receiver? Who's not? Who makes big plays? Who maybe gets a pick? Who you know? Uh, h- how do they get tested? This is a nice little matchup uh, between Bradley Roby and Denzel Ward.
1: Yeah, Doug, and like how you mentioned, um, there's no reason for Miles Garrett to line up against Larry Tunsil this game. I don't see much of a reason to throw at Roby this game at all, and not because, like you said, he's not Jalen Ramsey by any means. He's 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 a heck of a of a physical cornerback, but there's just no reason to when you have a guy opposite you. And Vernon Hargraves, who cannot stop really any sort of, of, of two-breaking in-routes in and play-action stuff. He has got his eyes in the backfield. He's flat-footed at times. Um, I just didn't see good stuff. So we just might not hear a lot from Roby this game, and that's because they're going to the other side of the field and, and throwing that way. And it's a good time to bring up the safeties. Uh, Browns fans will remember Eric Murray from last year, a, a versatile uh, box safety for them. That's he, your
0: guy. You love Eric Murray.
1: I do. I do. Yep. Yep. Eric, Eric's a good guy. And he's been, he's been, he's got a lot of opportunities in Houston right now. Um, similar to where, how he was in Cleveland. He's not, um, the, the best against the pass due to his smaller frame, uh, you know, 5'10", 185, 200 type of guy. Um, but he's physical in the run game. He gets down in the box. He's smart. He knows where he needs to be. Uh, so, but in the passing game specifically, I could see Murray, uh, and, and Hooper, Murray, and Bryant being a, a, a more of a difficult matchup, uh, and then hargraves and, and Higgins being an advantage. So I think this is a good tight end game for the Browns, but perhaps another great opportunity for a, a, another guy returning. We already mentioned a great chance for Nick Chubb and Wyatt Teller to hit the ground running. This could be a, a nice spot for Austin Hooper to finally establish some rapport with Baker Mayfield and, and get back to maybe some of those Atlanta days. I know brown fans have been wondering, like. Hey, what are we paying this guy for? Well, he does a lot of stuff that doesn't show up in the box score, but now the matchup might actually prefer looking Austin Hooper's way rather than just you know gimmicky screens and whatnot, which we've seen early.
0: And we will – you know, and Joku was out early. I think they had two games where all three tight ends were healthy, and it doesn't mean – I'm not going to have three tight ends on the field 60% of the time or anything. But now, again, all the things we're talking about with, okay, well, now you'll have this, that Chubb is back and Teller is back, and if Baker's getting it more – you got three tight ends healthy again here in, in the ninth game of the season. I think it's the only the third time in nine games. What does that mean? Does it offer at least maybe 13 personnel every now and then and a look where you can do something all of a sudden you get a mismatch and now you send in Joku on a, on a route down the field and something happens. So um, there, again, there are just some opportunities. Again, it just feels like a good matchup for the Browns. If the Browns can't move the ball on this defense, who are they going to move it on? And I do. There's just some really good comparisons of let the Texans make the mistakes for the Browns to avoid Hargraves, as you're talking about, is that second corner grading it around 37 in PFF. It's a reminder that Terrence Mitchell being solid in replacing Greedy Williams, Terrence Mitchell's grading around 65 his. So That's the thing. Here you are. Bradley Roby. Good. You're just saying, just don't throw at him. The other guy's so awful. It's why, yes, it's wonderful to have Denzel Ward. But if your second corner is garbage, then you just don't go at Denzel. You know, Denzel Ward becomes almost irrelevant. So Terrence Mitchell, as much as we say, hey, this defense is two guys and nine nobodies. Terrence Mitchell has been really important for this team. He does not get burned on every single play. He's actually, a, I think he's a really good number three corner. If he's your third corner, he's been forced to be the number two corner all year because greedy Williams hasn't played a snap, but let's be appreciative of the fact that Terrence Mitchell is nowhere near what Hargraves is doing for the Texans. And that really matters.
1: It matters a lot. And I, I guarantee you, uh, especially a guy like Joe Burrow. And then they, ha- they have tried Terrence Mitchell. Terrence Mitchell has been tried a few times. He, you know, he dropped that pick. Um, that I'm sure he still has nightmares about. Uh, but, yeah, you, you, you can't just underestimate how important that number three and even a number four corner at, is at in this league or you're going to get thrown on all over the field. And, and that is at least one thing this Browns secondary has been able to say is you're not going to beat us on the outside. And for Terrence Mitchell to raise his game to a, a you know, maybe a, a tier below Denzel right now um is something i don't know browns fans really expected and you're right because the texans now are seeing the other side of that you got one but if you have absolutely nothing on the other side uh you're you're gonna get beat up on and i just think uh, going back to the tight ends and some 13 personnel i think it's gonna be a tough tough day for a guy like eric murray someone who they put a lot of responsibilities on in the run game so what does that mean well you're gonna have a bulldozing Wyatt teller and a full strength nick chubb coming at you downhill and then, okay, now we're in a passing down. Well, let me go try and defend. Uh, you know, three very capable, physical, a- and talented tight ends. It's gonna be it's gonna be a tough day for Murray, especially if the weather isn't nice. I mean, this this is just again, Doug. It goes to matchups, and which is why it's another strength of the Browns here. I noticed watching the tape some things the Texans cannot defend. Power runs. They had a really tough time. Uh, Whether that was zone left, zone right, it it didn't make a difference. The point of the run was power, a quick inside hitting type play. It didn't matter if it was uh, one back, which means just the running back in the backfield, or a two-back power situation uh, with a fullback. The Texans had no answer for it. Uh, The the Texans were averaging about – excuse me, the Titans were averaging about like six, seven yards uh, a pop. Derek Henry scored a 94-yard touchdown on on an inside power right side and we know how much the Browns love to run to the right. So perhaps this is a, another Nick Chubb 88 yard touchdown type of game, just out of nowhere. He's got that home run type speed that Derek Henry also shares. Um, and I think this, so I've already mentioned Rashard Higgins. I've mentioned the tight ends um, Andy Janovich. I think he's going to be on the field a lot this game. I think um, the ability to have a fullback and bruise inside on a defense that can't start the run already is going to, be so problematic to a Tennessee, uh, excuse me, a te- Texans defense that is already getting pushed back at the initial point of attack. And when they send those extra linebackers in on a run blitz, hoping to, to contain that type of big run, you're going to have the fullback in there to clean it up. And then you have Nick Chubb popping some big plays and, you know, Kevin fancy probably has some pass plays schemed up for a fullback where Tennessee wasn't doing that as much. So I expect this to be perhaps a, maybe the first time Janovich gets in the in the end zone and um, there's going to be opportunities for him on the field just because again, this Titans team was able to exploit the power run and the Texans had no answer for it.
0: All right. That's a breakdown on both sides of this ball of the ball for this game scheduled for Sunday, Houston at the Browns at 1 PM Ellis and I will be back with final quick thoughts on got to watch the tape. All right. Wrapping this one up, Scott Patzko again a little under the weather on this Friday. He'll be back Next week, we do this every Tuesday and Friday on Gotta Watch the Tape, of course, the Orange and Brown Talk podcast with led by Mary Kay Cabot and Dan Lobby. It's five days a week. That post-game podcast, can't miss it. Make sure you're strapped in on Sunday evening. And if you're a tech subscriber, you get to join that in a live Zoom call. So that's fun for everybody. Final thoughts here. I would, if we are anticipating more wind, and it seems like we are, I would like Cody Parkey to make a bunch of banana field goals. I Everybody, all longtime Browns fans know how good Phil Dawson was in the wind, that it's like if the wind is going to be crazy for a Browns game, that's an edge in the kicking game because the home field kicker should know what's up with this. And I know Kevin Stefanski got asked about this stuff a little bit this week because there was stuff during the the game a couple weeks ago of um, Daniel Carlson, the Raiders kicker. And uh, Cody Parkey, the Browns kicker, sort of chatting it up. And it's like, hey, is Cody Parkey like, trying to give him tips? And it was like, no. He was actually trying to get in his head a little bit. So I appreciate the gamesmanship. The Raiders in that windy game were three of four on field goals. The Browns were two of three. I, I don't care how windy it is. If you got to start that, get that driver out and start it out 40 yards right of the uprights, Cody Parkey has to win the kicking game if, if the weather's a little wacky. So, you know, he's new, but he's been through it now and he has to use that to his advantage. And, and again, if you're looking for little edges, man, you know, if the weather's bad, it really should be an advantage all the way around for the Browns, including
1: on special teams. Ellis, what you got? Doug, we don't do this a lot. I'm going to watch the tape and I'm going to stay with your kicking game theme. I'm going to make a prediction. I'm going to make a prediction in this. I know, right? Ooh, I don't think the Browns punt once on Sunday. I just, I don't see a, a, a way this Texans defense is going to be able to stop what the Browns want to do. It's going to be reminiscent of the Cincinnati game in week two, I think, where Kevin Stefanski is just going to be able to run, run and run some more. And when he wants to throw, uh, there's a corner on the other side that they can just expose uh, in, in play action situations, especially uh, it, this is just going to be a Kevin Stefanski type of game, downhill running to, to which point the punter will not be needed. So take, take the night off, and we'll see the Browns running all over this team. And the kicking game will be important in field goals, but the, the punting unit, not so much.
0: And we, everyone talked about this a lot after the Browns-Raiders game. The Raiders only seven possessions in that game. The Browns only six, which would increase the chances if you don't have to punt. The Raiders in those seven possessions punted once in that game and winning that low-scoring game. Do yep. you envision that as part of this, that this is a game with not that many possessions?
1: Yeah, I, I think, well, here's the thing. I worry about the Texans uh, ability to convert their third downs. So I think the Texans will be uh, in a much different situation, but as for the ball control ability of the Browns here, this is going to be a, a, a John Gruden type mold of a game plan. I think Kevin Stefanski learned a lot in that Raiders game. Cause he really did just kind of get out coached. You know, it, it, it's, and I'm not one to really to put Kevin in, in that uh, type of light, but when you look back on that game, drops aside gruden just had a better a better plan he and he he stuck to it and was and was able to do so and i think kevin will take that game take similar weather situation and just understand the the matchups and this is going to be a time of possession huge advantage for the browns and and again i don't expect to see see many punts now watch them go three and out on the first drive and this prediction's out the window but and, and this is not new
0: this is kind of the way the game works now but watching the Thursday night game with the Colts and the Titans, the Colts just went for it on fourth down on fourth and short again and again. And again, Uh, the Colts were three for five on fourth down in that game. And I just wonder, you know, again, if you're, if you're trying to control the ball and you don't necessarily want to kick that many field goals or risk that many punts, is this a world where Kevin Stefanski is going to have to be going for it on fourth and two at midfield and that Nick Chubb in this offensive line or Kareem hunt in this offensive line are going to have to convert that. It might be, it might be a good time to do that because if you convert that you keep the ball for another four minutes and keep marching. And so I, I think, I think it's a very good point. I, I don't, the phrase is not Kevin Stefanski has gotten a pass because he's done a very good job. We're not giving him a pass, but I don't know that anybody has really pointed out anything bad along the way either. And I do think your point is a good one. Listen, everybody can get better. And I do think Kevin Stefanski in a game like that, he has all his guys now, or he should they're hoping. And if he does have all his guys, you've got to lean into that. You can't be afraid. You have to lean on what you do best. Take some smart calculated risks and really maybe have a chance to control this game. All right. That's got to watch the tape. We hope Scott is feeling better and is back soon. We always appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash Browns for all kinds of uh, great written pieces by Ellis, by Scott on topics like this. Great other news breaking stuff from Mary Kay Cabot. Great features from Dan Lobby, just the best Browns coverage you can find. So we're glad to be a, a small part of that. We appreciate everybody who's come along on this ride for Ellis Williams on Douglas Maurice. Thanks for diving in on uh, gotta watch the tape.